Truth Plus Media. Robinson to the front court, running three-pointer, good! Not quite the same pressure as it used to be as far as getting it inbounds because you can go into the backcourt now. Ray Allen grinding past Armstrong. Clock buzzer sounds, no violation called by the official. Six seconds, five seconds. Cassell, yes! Sam Cassell, three point seven seconds. The Bucks lead 106 105. Tell you what, that's close to being a flagrant two, which is an automatic ejection. You just, there's no place in basketball for this kind of play by Scott Williams. He's too classy a guy. But that was close to being a flagrant two. Scott Williams is lucky he's still in the game. The year was 2001, and the Bucks had the city of Milwaukee rocking and the league on notice. After several bleak years in the 90s, the Bucks were finally back. Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and Glenn Robinson were lighting up the league. This trio led them to the number two spot in the East and the number one offense in the league. But shortly after this season, the cord split and the Bucks spiraled back into mediocrity for almost a decade. This is Forgotten Seasons, a show that rediscovers and relives one iconic season with former NBA greats. I'm Dylan Dreyfus, the creator of Forgotten Seasons, and on this episode, we have Sam Cassell and George Carl. Our two guests today have a profound respect for each other and a mutual love for their time spent in Milwaukee. We relive the best moments from this historic 2001 season and discuss why things fell apart so quickly afterwards. Forgotten Seasons with Sam Cassell and George Carl begins now. All right, everybody, welcome. Welcome, Coach George Carl and Sam Cassell. Uh, the head coach and the starting point guard of the 2001 Bucks squad, one of the Buc- best teams in Bucks history. Uh, Sam was a 15-year NBA pro, three-time champ. This was his second full season in Milwaukee, third year there. Coach Carl, sixth winning his coach in NBA history, his third year in Milwaukee. Uh, George, I, I want to start with you because you've, you've spoken extremely highly of Sam your entire life. Tell the people a little bit, you know, why Sam Cassell is one of the best leaders that you've ever came across in basketball. Well, Sam, uh, I, I liked him because I thought he had a he had a street game, but he had a, a basketball IQ with the game that point guards need. And and he has, I mean, coaches always like guys that are clever and kind of cute and get, get easy baskets because of their cleverness. And, you know, when we picked Sam up, we traded, I think, Terrell Brandon, who was a pretty good point guard at the time for Sam. And, you know, some of my staff said, well, we should keep Terrell on. I said, I, I kind of, I didn't like Terrell as much as I thought I was going to like Sam. But Sam was so much better than I thought he was. I mean, I thought he was more of a scorer, point guard. Sam could have been a, a real, I mean, he, he's a little bit, um, he's a little bit like Chris Paul. You know, when he has to score, he scores. When the game's happening, he's, fa- he's uh, facilitating, he passes. Uh, but he understood the, the flow of the game, the rhythm of the game. And when you have that, and the team in Milwaukee was a total offensive game. We weren't, we weren't. We weren't bad defensively, but we were closer to bad than good. And we had to fabricate our defense a little bit. But Sam, 
You know, when Ray was going, he knew how to get Ray the ball. When Glenn was going, he knew how Glenn to get the ball. Tim Thomas come in and did, did it going. Sam didn't have any – you didn't have to coach him. He knew what was going on in the court all the time. Well, Sam, now that George has said a lot of nice things about you, I'm going to pose it to you. Uh, you and George had a great relationship. Uh, I think George, people – you on the outside, George is a rough coach, but you guys got along. Uh, just tell the people a little bit about, you know, your relationship with George and, uh, you know, you're a coach now. If you take anything – if you took anything from him uh, to utilize as you're a coach now. The one thing um, when I first started playing for George – uh, he, he set me down and, and let me just, he said, Sam, I'm going to let you play your game of basketball, but you got to keep the team first. And what he meant by that, that Sam, you got a lot of great offensive players on your team. The quicker and more you get them off, the easier the game going to become for you to score. And with Glenn, like, uh, with Glenn Robinson and, and Ray Allen on my running kicks, Man, they they was a joy to play with. Um, like Coach said, uh, with Tim Thomas coming off the bench, uh, them guys could flat out score the ball. So my job was really, really easy. I just had to get them guys the ball where they could score it. Um, and that, was, that wasn't hard. Uh, like, like Coach said, we wasn't a great defensive team. He came to Milwaukee as a defensive coach, <laughs> but he got the he got the he, when he got there, he was like, oh, we can't, these guys just do one thing great. And he knew that. And he changed his whole style by just coaching us offensively more than defensively. He's like, listen, we got a whole team to 105, 103, and we're going to score 114, 113. And that was our mind frame. You know, when we needed stops, we got stops. We just didn't outscore everybody to win basketball games. Uh, we had a lot of lack of um, defense intensity. Um, we George did George Yvonne Adams paid, paid a lot of attention to the defensive end, but George uh, realized real quick about our ball club that shit we can put the ball in the basket with the best thumb, and he just he's used that to our our advantage most of the nights. Um, some nights, coach, you could account to this. We've been down fourteen points for seven minutes in the ball game, and you'll just clap your hands after a time. I'll say, you know, we got them right where we want, guys. We got them right where we want. Y'all gonna start making some shots. They gonna start missing some shots. We we had a lot of guys in that ball club that could make shots, and um, he gave us that confidence as a as a team that you know you can beat us for forty minutes, but forty eight minutes can be real real hard when we solid one through fifteen. Um, when our team was together, no injuries, no suspensions, we was a tough team to beat, and we didn't fear anyone back then. Mm. Well, you guys won 52 games. That was a 10-year improvement from the year before. Uh, mm -hmm. Number two seed in the East, number one offense in the league. Just to get a little bit into the roster, so obviously we got Sam, we got Ray Allen, superstar, big dog, Glenn Robinson, Scott Williams, Tim Thomas, Irvin Johnson, Lindsey Hunter, who you, you guys picked up, and a few other mm -hmm. role guys. Uh, so Sam, I want to kick it back to you. It wouldn't be right unless we just started talking about the big three. Um, Right, we thinking now big three you got uh, the Heat, but the, the the Heat and you know with LeBron and Wade, but but you guys were a true big three. Talk a little bit about you mentioned it, but you as the point guard having Glenn and, and Ray on the wings, constantly moving off the ball. Uh, how did that make your life just easy as a point guard to facilitate to them? And and like George said, when you needed to, you could score the ball. No, it it, it was so much fun because you know I'm 
you're talking about two guys, my running mates, who shot high percentage. And mm-hmm. they's like, you got them guys the ball in their sweet spots. Most likely it was going in. And when they did miss, it was surprising to, to all of us. And it, it, it was a joy to be out there with them guys, man. Them guys was, I didn't fear anyone with them guys healthy. Um, I mean, no team. We, we can score with any team. Teams couldn't stop us from scoring. Um, George with his uh, razzle-dazzle offense. We just played the game of basketball. And it was fun to play. Everyone had the green light um, on our team until the last three or four minutes of the game. And it was going to be myself, Ray Allen, or Glenn, who's going to take most of the shots. And our team understood that. Our team understood Glenn was going to get probably more shots than me and Ray. And, and sometimes Ray might get more shots than him that night. But um, it was fun for me, man. It was fun just just having all them guys out there. Um, I think George called the game right, you know, when he felt that if I was shooting um, a little bit too much, he, you know, sometimes he'd just get the ball out of my hands. and say, Sam, you go to the corner, Ray, you bring it out. It was just just that simple. If Glenn needed a shot, he had called 13, high pick and roll. He knew most teams were going to trap me or show me and that would give Glenn enough room to slip out and make a, uh, a shot that he was – 55% 18-foot jump shot on the left elbow. So he did a – coach did a good job just, you know, putting us in situations where we could be successful. And um, it was fun. It was real fun to play, play for the Milwaukee Bucks that year. It was um, – I think you got to give credit to our big guys. Our big guys respected their role. Yeah. Irvin, Scott, Darvin, and Jason Caffey, they knew they weren't going to get a lot of touches. And they knew that their job was to get Sam, Glenn, and Ray open as much as possible. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of big guys moan and groan about that. Bitch and complain. You know, we don't have any plays for us. And, and, and I thought the guys, once we got it rolling in a good direction, I mean, I think we won like 23 out of 30 games at one stretch. Hmm. In, a, in a stretch right after we started off really poor. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's two things I take from that team that I, in, the, when I was in my later days here in, in, in Denver and also in my last part of my career, is we were an offensive team. And, and what we could do is we could score 110, at that time 110 against anybody. Which nobody even, a good, even against a good defensive team. And our goal was... We watched other teams play, and and you could play bad defense, and they couldn't score 110. And so I learned that, you know, most of my training has always been defense first. But I think where the game has come now, 20 years later, is you got to be a balanced team. Mm-hmm. And some teams are better offensively than defensively. And that's acceptable now in the NBA. Back at 20, in the, the beginning of the two, 2000s, Everybody thought you won by defense. You won everything by defense first. And I really respect the big guys giving, accepting their role at a very, very high level of intensity. I mean, Scotty, Scotty Williams had a great year for us. Darvin Ham had a good year for us. Jason Caffey played some good basketball for us. And Irvin Johnson was our only one defender that we had that could win a game with some defense and some rebounding at times. And so I give my tip my hat off to those guys because 
I think everybody kind of early in the season was searching for their role. And, and we got, and we got him in our role. And, and, you know, I don't know what Sam thinks, but for me over my career, it's probably the, one of the lesser talented teams that we had that played so well that we overachieved and, and surprised a lot of people. Mm. Mm. I want to, I want to go back to the, the end of the season before this one. So 99, 2000, uh, you guys are sort of a middle of the pack team, but you guys rip off a nice little run at the end of the season, like 11 of 15, you win, you squeak into the playoffs and then you're, you're playing the one seed Pacers and you're literally one point away from upsetting them. Uh, and then going into the off season, there's a buzz in Milwaukee, like, uh, you know, of all places, the bucks are the sexy pick to win the championship. I'm taking, I'm taking a news clip. Sam, I want to ask you, like uh, you've been in, you know, LA, Boston, Houston in your life, bigger markets, what was it like? What was the connection like with the, the city of Milwaukee going into that season where they were just ecstatic? They hadn't had a good team in a while. The 80s were good, but the 90s were rough. Tell us a little bit about just what the buzz and the vibe was like with the city of Milwaukee. Well, we we lost that five games because the Pacers. Um, I know. That's screwed by the referees. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll forget it. Um, coach, you might remember this, Coach. I was sitting in the locker room. I was just disgusted because we had the lead down. We had the lead, and um, they won the game. Um, they, like George said, the referees gave us a fast one. But hey, that's a part of the game. And I remember sitting in the locker room, just disgusted. And everybody was on the team bus, and and you came back and got me. You got off the bus and came back in the locker room. I was drinking a beer. And you sat there next to me, and you popped the beer, and you looked at me, how, hey man. You know, and you took losses very hard. You took that loss hard, like you saw me take that loss hard, because we were the better team that night. And um, you said it's gonna get better for us. We know what it takes now. We've been here. We got a little scratch of it. Um, if that's the best they got, uh, we got to add a couple more pieces, and we, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. You know, we had opportunities to win that game. I put my clothes on, took a shower, put my clothes on, got on the bus, and. That day, I felt so good. I told you, I said, I would never come in camp out of shape again. And our whole team took a, you know, we just knew that going to the next year, and we got to a slow start that next that year. And we just knew that once we put this thing together, uh, I got out to a slow start. I know I got out to a slow start. I think Ray Allen was playing his behind off as usual. But I got out to a slow start. And um, he used to always tell me, Sam, Ray and Glenn, or the coffee, but you the spoon that stirs the coffee up. And um, I just took that that role and like, I gotta be on my game for this team to be up to par where we have to be, man. And and that was a great, great run we had. Um, I still think that <laughs> we sold the one at game seven. You know, I'll bet my house that Glenn Robson would never miss that shot again. If he took that shot right now, he wouldn't miss that shot in the left corner on the tumbo. Um, I, I bet my house, all my houses right now, <laughs> that Glenn will make that shot, but we missed it. And and it's it's a miss and make lead and we missed and Philly went on to the finals. And it was just, that was a tough, that was tough to swallow. That was tough to swallow. I think I knew for a fact that we had a chance to beat the Lakers that year because well, well, we scored the ball. You did. We'll, we'll get into all those playoff series a little mm-hmm. bit later. I want to start just at the beginning of that season. Sam, you mentioned it. The, you started three and nine. 
Uh, maybe mm-hmm. guys weren't, weren't really ready. George, after that start, right, you're berating them in the locker room in practice. You actually take it to the media and call your guys out, specifically your best players. And you said, you know, you said that there's a power in losing, right? When that happens, you can leverage that. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, why you did publicly call out your team, which some of them didn't appreciate naturally, um, but with that power of losing, what was going through your mind? Um, yeah, just walk us through that. Uh, my feeling was, you know, coaches, you know, even though calling a team out like that and calling out your best players, you know, Sam Glenn and Ray put me in a position of hypocrisy. We have three great scorers. And so you have basically five guys on your team that play 15 or 20 minutes or more a game that aren't going to touch the ball much. And so the hypocrisy I thought was building up that I thought the players thought I was being too nice to Sam Ray and Glenn. That was my feeling. I'm not, no one ever came to me and said that, but that was my feeling. And Sam Ray and Glenn, I don't know how to phrase it, but they're not the greatest practice players in the world. And we were a team that needed some defensive practice. You know, we needed because we weren't going to be doing, we didn't, we couldn't do it athletically. We didn't have great defenders. It wasn't their forte. It wasn't their strength, but we needed everybody to do their jobs a little bit better than they were doing them. And mostly to be more demanding and pointing fingers at Sam Ray and Glenn And then the hypocrisy settles down. You win a few games, you get feeling good about life, and you go on with the season. And sometimes when you go after your best players, it backfires. I didn't think it backfired that year. It worked worked that year. Sam, do you remember those sort of series of events and what the conversation was like among the players? Yeah, it was was easy because – George, he, he was telling the truth that, you know, we wasn't scoring the ball as we should. We wasn't playing defense. So our losses came more often because we wasn't doing them two things. We wasn't defending, like I said. We wasn't scoring the ball the way he knew that we could score. So, you know, he just called us out and <laughs> he challenged me all the time. And I never took offense to it. I just I just thought that's with him, you know, being who the great coach he is. He's challenging us. And um, it, it worked. It worked because he, he says something in the media every day about us. You know, it wasn't about the role players. It was about, you know, Ray, Glenn, and myself, which I think was a – which was motivation because players always say they don't look at the papers and read that stuff. But most – on the high site, they really do. It was, you know, and you look at the paper and George is going at us. You know, just going at us. <laughs> and – I laughed it off, so I knew, like, I just got to be better. I got to be better, man. When I'm better, I think Ray will be better and Glenn will be better. So I put the initiative to just to be better, you know, offensively. And, and like George said, just like, hey, be in the right place defensively. Be in the right place defensively. We switched a lot. We switched one through four. And, and if I switched on the big guy, he wanted me to fight to get in the front. And you know, I just put more effort and time in doing the things that, the team needed me to do to help the defense, you know, become better. You know, everybody, it was everybody's job. It's not my job, everybody's job. I think Glenn 
You know, he was fronting the guys on the post. Ray was fronting guys. And once we got that momentum, man, like George said, um, we won a few games. We felt good about that stuff. We was doing, we was following the game plan. And, and once we followed the game plan, we knew a team to beat us had to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. You know, but we eliminated some of their points and our jump shot started going. We were a jump shooting team. The three of us with Tim Thomas, um, Lindsey Hunter, uh, Scott Williams was the brain shooting big who hit the elbow jump shot, which, you know, was really was my lifeline. When we started certain Scott Williams in the lineup, um, I think that's when our season took off. But Scott gave us a dimension that we didn't have. We didn't have a, a five that can stretch the court and make a 15 for a jump shot. You know, and once he started making that jump shot consistently, you know, I know for a fact, he opened my game up totally because now when the guys, the big guy showed on me, I knew Scott Williams was going to make that shot. And I had so much confidence in him. And our team had so much confidence in him to take big shots and make big shots. Scott was a smart ball player. He took charges, you know, he went to some terrible university uh, uh, in uh, <laughs> I need to get a spark out of where, You know where he went? <laughs> went to Carolina. Oh, he went to Carolina. <laughs> the Carolina. He went to Carolina. That's why, that's why George said so. <laughs> but no, Scott was my – Scott, I think Scott, when George inserted Scott in the rotation, I think our team just took off right there. So I give a lot of credit to Scott Williams. Scott Williams was one guy – who would voice his opinion because he, you know, I won championships, but he also had won championships. <laughs> so yeah. he was one guy of the bigs who would really voice his opinion about how we play. If I missed him a couple of times, he would come to the bench and say something to me. If Glenn or Ray missed him, he would say something because how, realistically he was doing the dirty work, you know, taking charges, rebounding, and getting us the ball. So I think he was the big part of that, that the big three. Um, and we, we really missed him. In one particular game, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Dylan, we, we were three and nine. Yep. And we 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 went on the road and we were playing in Orlando on a I don't know a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and then the next night in Miami, and it looked like we could go three and eleven. You know, we could be three and eleven. Mm-hmm. We beat Orlando, and I don't know Sam if you remember. We go to Miami. We're down like eighteen points in the fourth yeah, yeah, quarter. <laughs> We're down like 15 or 18 points, and Lindsey Hunter goes crazy. Oh, crazy. I was going to ask you about Lindsey Hunter. He actually came up when I was talking to Ron Meta, Meta World Peace. Uh, he said he was like one of the best defenders he'd ever came across, and he was new on this team. Uh, you guys picked him up in the offseason, so I wanted to just say that. Go ahead with what you were going to say. Yeah, Lindsey, Lindsey was one of our better dark, dark defenders, and, and but in that game, he made like four or five threes. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, Sam, if you remember the game, though. It's like a tie. I think we're, like, down one with, like, 50 seconds to go. And you and Anthony Mason and made a jump, jump ball. ball. <laughs> and, and, and Sam jumps up and grabs Anthony Mason's arm. And we win the jump ball. Mm-hmm. And then Sam goes down and pump fakes AC, and he gets fouled and he makes two free throws. And we win a game that we have no right winning. No right winning. And I really think that road trip spiraled us back into a good place. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, you guys rebound. Um, again, 52 wins. I want to sort of talk about the, the other top guards in the league with you, Sam. It's something that we do. Uh, a lot of guys say that you were somebody that sort of busted their ass when they first got into the league. 
uh, unorthodox style post up in that time, early two thousands, who were the point guards that maybe gave you a little bit of trouble uh, on the defensive end? Um, Gary Payton was one guy that, you know, guarded me pretty well. And Ross Strickland was another guy because he put more offensive threat on me, made me play more defense than offense because I had mm-hmm. to try to stop him. But uh, them two them two guys really gave me a lot of um, – uh, Brian Davis was a young guy who would just – poof. You saw him later. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and just, you know, got fast and big. Had a three-point shot, had a good drive game, but didn't have a mid-range. So just trying to figure him out was a, you know, was a a, a task alone. But um, Nick Van Nexel was the guy who gave me some problems because he could score the basketball. But I just knew without team, no matter who he was playing against, you know, I had the ball in my hand and I had just two great scores beside me. So if I get to them first, it's over. It's mm-hmm. over, and I got them, my two guys, my two guys, Ray and Big Dog on the wings, making jump shots. You know, it was going to be hard for any team to beat us, um, hard for any team to beat us. And sometimes we lost with, you know, Glenn having 28, I got 26, and Ray got 31. You know, we lost some games like that too, but most times when he's scoring big and uh, Ray's scoring big, Glenn's scoring big, and I'm scoring big, it, it was tough. It was tough to beat us. It was real tough to beat us because Scott Wills going to sprinkle in his – 14 or 12 or 13 points. Tim Thomas going to have his 16 points, 13 points tonight. Lindsey might put in 9, 11, 9 to 10 points, you know. So we have so many weapons any given night that, you know, a certain guy can go off. Like Darwin Ham might, you know, have a great offensive rebound tonight, you know. And, you know, George had a rule. You get the offensive rebound and kick it off for a three. And we make it and we win. It's $100, you know. So, so Darwin Ham got to kick or doing that all the time, you know. <laughs> And one thing about George, he did pay on time. He did. <laughs> he paid on time. <laughs> I want to I want to pose to both of you. You mentioned Ray, not a forgotten guy at all. Everyone knows he was great. Sam, you played with him later in Boston mm-hmm. too. What's something about Ray that you guys think might be forgotten or that people don't don't really know about his game or or personality? You want to go, Sam? I go. Well, I, I think. Ray is one of the bad shot taker for making making guys I've ever seen. Ray can take some off balance shots, and for me, it was like, wow, how did this shot go in? And he had a knack of scoring the ball off the dribble, spot shooting. Um, he was athletic. He had a great jumping ability. Um, he could finish layups. He had huge hands. Um, he was he was definitely one of my all-time best teammates to play with. Um, he was he was a good ball player. He was a good ball good ball player. He never shied away from the moment. Um, he didn't mind taking the big shot. He made a lot of big shots. Uh, Ray was just, you know, to me he was a good teammate. For me, I I never had a problem. I, his locker was next to my locker for four years in Milwaukee. So just watching him prepare for games was was awesome because he, you know, he put a lot of time in his shooting. He put a lot of time in you know, his body, just getting himself ready to play the game of basketball. So, you know, I had no, never had a problem with Ray. You know, Ray was, was, was you know, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. I think Ray was uh, probably one of my most talented players I've ever coached. 
that I didn't get the most out of. A lot of players that I've coached, I felt had maybe their best years under me. Ray would go on and have better years than he had in Milwaukee, even though he, I thought he had he made the all-star team, I think, the year that we're talking about. And I think that that catapulted him into being a, a more of an all-star every year. Ray, people don't understand that Ray had some ball handling skill, mm-hmm. was a better passer than people think he is. Uh, we would play the ball when he raised hands sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, Reggie and Ray were the first two guys that, as a coach, I wanted Ray to take 10 threes in a game because I know he's going to make them. And so the, even though we weren't a big three-point shooting team back then, I thought Ray was one of the first guys along with Reggie that kind of was that brought the coaching saying, Hey, we got to get this guy threes. So you're, you're encouraging him to just keep shooting threes specifically. Yeah. When Ray, when Ray got into the game, it was usually because he was making shots mm-hmm. and, and he also could, you know, I, I, of all the guys in the backcourt defensively that I was yelling at Sam has limitations. Glenn <laughs> wasn't Glenn had some limitations. But Ray could have, been, could have been a really good defender. And at times was a really good defender. Not as consistent as I, as a coach, would want. But uh, I, I really, Ray was, and then we, we had Dale Curry and Ray were the two best sub shooters I've ever coached mm. by far mm. from the three point line. Yeah. Now, Sam, king of the elbow, Sam inside the three point line. Against Ray, I might take Sam. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I want to get into the playoffs now. Uh, you guys are going in as the two seed. You go up against uh, an Orlando team with T-Mac. The guy who was also supposed to be with him was Grand Hill, who was injured, right? That was sort of the, the beginning of, of his unfortunate mm-hmm. string of injury. <clears throat> but it's a fun hypothetical to think about, right? Grand Hill and T-Mac at that time. Uh, you know, to play the hypothetical game, you know, Sam, what does that duo look like? You know? Oh, it's, it's been fantastic. You know, I think because Grant Hill was one of the best transition players during that time of basketball. And he was, he was tough to stop in transition. Um, he was a great layup maker. He had a great pull-up jump shot. Wasn't a great three-point shooter, but his pull-up jump shot, six foot eight, fast. T-Mac was a guy who, just flat out score the basketball in three point shot, post game, mid range, layups, uh, athletics. So that'd have been <laughs> it'd have been a nice matchup. But I, you know, with Grant Hill out there, I still think that you know our team that year we was we was knocking on all cylinders, man. We had you know you know Glimm's getting twenty something, twenty three, twenty four a night. Braves getting twenty two or twenty three a night. I was getting eighteen and nineteen a night. Um, so. We, you know, we still had time to, to do a lot more with that ball club. I think um, being scared of that matchup with Grant Hill and T-Mac, it has been tough, but uh, I think we still could have won. I think mm. we still could have won. Mm. Absolutely. Because we had, we, our team was so, so deeper and we knew where the ball was going, the hands, the ball was going to be in Grant Hill and um, T-Mac. But like you said, Grant wasn't there. 
Yeah, we've seen a lot of T-Mac that series, a lot of. <laughs> well, that that's that you just got to worry about taking him out, which is hard, but they don't have many other guys that can beat you. But then that 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 guy's that gave you guys confidence, George. I remember you saying that it was a nice start. You went in four pretty, pretty handily. And then it leads you into the Charlotte series, which you've said multiple times might be your favorite playoff series that that you ever coached. Um, you guys go up to two oh, then down three two and end up winning in seven. Walk me through and just tell us a little bit about why that was maybe your favorite series that you've ever been a part of. Well, the, I mean, every NBA series has momentum swings. And, you know, we, we take the first two, and I think we get a little arrogant. We get a little, a little fed up with ourselves a little bit too much. And the next three games, the style of the game changed back to kind of a low possession, power game, big man game, Jamal Mashburn kicking our ass game, Brad da uh, Baron Davis getting more Baron. I think Baron was somewhat of a young player then, but all mm -hmm. of a sudden he was realizing he was a damn good player. The second year, I think. Yeah. And uh, he was the guy I was scared of in game seven, to be honest with you, when we got to game seven. But game six in Charlotte was one of my favorite games uh, I've ever coached. We, we got down 17 or 18 points early in the first half. And, you know, we could have we could have broken apart. But we came together. And I think Ray had the big game. I'm not sure. And my, my recollection is Ray had a big time fourth quarter. And, you know, we fought back, got the lead in the fourth quarter and went home. Sam also then, had he had 33 in that game six. Sam or Ray? Sam. Okay, Sam might have been the guy I got going. <laughs> but I mean, it was a very close series with a lot of momentum swings. And game seven was old school, low scoring, defensive minded game. And I think we win it basically because of, we had the home court. And and at that time, the Milwaukee. And the streets of Milwaukee were going crazy. crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the wildest cities I've ever been in. Uh, it's kind of like, I think, what's happening in Phoenix and Milwaukee right now. Mm -hmm. They're so hungry for a championship. But Milwaukee got behind us. There was a street party every game. People walking around the city. And it's always fun playing at the end of May, early June. Mm. Sam, I, I know you guys were a confident group. You go down 3-2. Who's the guy in the locker room, or is it sort of all of you that are just banding people together, keeping everybody's head straight, and reminding people that, you know, it, it's no problem down 3-2? It was, it was so crazy that, you know, I'm, I'm getting my pregame nap, and I'm just watching the news and the Charlotte news, and they they got the parade going. They got the balloons ready. Oh fall out the ceiling they got everything like and the game was like we haven't even played the game yet mm. <laughs> we haven't played the game yet and, and, and george came to the locker room and said hey yeah it's like they count us you know watching the news in charlotte they didn't want a game already like wow and just walked out the locker room and i know if you're sitting there with glenn and um, i said man come on i need you to be glenn i need you to be the big dog today mm. and he said to me so i need you to be sam man i need you to be Sam, I am. And I said, I told Ray, Ray came in the locker room, after, you know, reading a book or something. I said, Ray, you got to be special tonight. And we got down, like George said, we got down, we got down. And 
one of the best speeches I ever had a coach give me was what George Carl told us. Um, we was down like 11 points of like nine minutes to go, nine minutes to go in the game. It's a timeout. And he just sat down in his chair and he went down every player. He said, Glenn, I need you to be who you are right now. I don't need you second guessing yourself. I need you to be who you are. Sam, run your team. This is your team. Run your team. Be who you are. This is the moment you live for. He just went down a whole line. Ray, be that shooter we need you to be. Scott, rebound the ball. Irvin Johnson, defend the basket. He just read it, just went down the whole line in a, in two minutes. And um, he, he made a very, very great point. Like, guys, be who you are. This game is not over. You know, and we just rebounded and just and just came and won that game. And I just remember going in the locker room, walking to the locker room and telling Dark Coleman, because a good friend of mine, say, you know, bring your ass back to Milwaukee now. Come on back down to Milwaukee. And he just shook his head and said, boy, I don't want to go down there. He knew that game seven was going to be hard for them to win. And um, we went down there and, um, like George said, the, the fans was unbelievable, just like it is now. But I think there was more fans now, you know, in Milwaukee right now. But the streets in Milwaukee, you know, they was we got home. They was it was crazy. It was mm. I think it was an afternoon game we beat them. It was like a three o'clock, two o'clock game, and, and man, the streets was going crazy. Just driving to the game, seeing like six or seven hundred people outside the arena, just waiting. You know, having a little block party. Uh, it was it was it was a good moment for the city of Milwaukee and for for our ball club. No doubt, no doubt. And then, so you guys win in seven, heroically, and then we go to the Philly series. I'm not going to sit here and ask you guys, was that series rigged? I mean, you can, you can, you can look at the stats. They shot like 65 more free throws than you guys. Technicals, flagrants all went to you guys. Um, but what I want to talk about is like, you know, you guys lose in seven and mm -hmm. after you lose a game or a series, there's usually things that you can look back on and say, you know, maybe we didn't attack this guy enough. Maybe our, our defensive schemes weren't mm -hmm. up to par. But with that series, like, is there anything that, you know, schematically or, or like from a game plan perspective that you could have done better? Because Iverson aver averages 30, but he shoots like 35% from the floor. Ray torches it. Uh, Sam and Glenn play well too. So if you look from the outside, like you guys do your job, the star players show up and you handle their star. So, like, looking back on it now, like, is there anything that, that you guys think you could have done differently to change the outcome of that series? Well, on my, my, my part, you know, I was just missing, you know, I was just missing, our team was missing Scott Williams. We relied, during that time of the year, Yeah, you know, we really relied on Scott Williams. Scott Williams gave us an outlet. We, ran, we had three guys that could play pick and roll basketball. And if you didn't trap us or put two bodies in front of us, most likely we're going to score. Lucy Scott Williams gave us, gave me my, I'm talking about me personally, gave like, like took my lifeline away because I knew Scott Williams would make a 15 foot jump shot all around the basketball court, elbows, wings. So not having them out there, you know, it limited our office output and they just packed, they just, they just packed the paint on us. They just packed the paint. They trapped us. We didn't have, uh, we had uh, Irvin Johnson out there, Jason Caffey, who made, who played pretty well, pretty good that game, but mm -hmm. he wasn't Scott Williams, you know. Scott Williams was automatic from a 15-foot jump shot at the elbow. He was automatic, um, you know, for a big guy to make that jump shot. And losing him, really, I think that was the 
part of how we lost the game. We still had chances to win the game, but losing Scott was really, you know, the guy we missed. And I think if he was out there, you know, you know I think we had good chances of getting to the NBA Finals. I think the big thing in the series that it was just how, how the karma of the series turned against us between game six and seven. We blow them out in game six. Uh, and I might have made a coaching mistake. And Larry Brown did something I thought that I, I'll, I'll always remember. He played AI in the fourth quarter of that game. And AI found some rhythm in the fourth quarter of that game. We were, I think we were up like 30 points. And, they, and AI played and got some rhythm. Then they suspend Scott Williams on the airplane flight. Not the Ford airplane flight on the airplane flight to Philadelphia. Just to give a, a brief little bit of context, he gets a flagrant, just for the people, he gets a flagrant in game six that they call a flagrant one. And then when you guys are on the airplane, they change it to a flagrant two, which yeah. puts him over the limit, which is crazy. But just to give crap. a little, yeah, just give crap. a little bit of context. And, and, and Scott Williams was kind of our intimidator. They had Matumbo and they had Tyrone Hill and they might have had another bully in there too. And Scott was the guy who was standing up to those guys. And so, you know, you took our size out of the game with Scott, plus our guy, as Sam says, the guy can make a jumper. But he was kind of our angry guy. He was the guy mm -hmm. that go in there and, 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 and get, get in the elbow and asshole game with no problem at all. And uh, then we took him out. And then Ray Allen in the second quarter, I think, gets hurt, sprays his ankle. His ankle. Yep. And uh, he's out. And Sam and I have a little discussion. And Sam, I thought, tried to do it a little bit too much at the, mm -hmm. in, the in his seventh game. He tried to, he tried to take it on his, on his shoulder. I respect that. But instead of trying to figure out the flow, I think when we lost Ray, we kind of broke apart a little bit trying to find the answer. You know, we knew the answer was going to be difficult to find. And I thought sometimes, you know, you know, that's where I think Sam and I could have been maybe tighter with, but it's a very difficult situation because that's the one game where AI played pretty well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yep. Well, so you guys lose, right? Seven games. Uh, and it's sort of a fascinating study, right? The team, like the next year you miss the playoffs and then the year after that, pretty much all broken up. And it happens like that. Um, I guess just like what happened? Like, you know, you bring in Mason, that's one thing. Um, Ray gets traded in, in 2002, 2003. But like, you know, it all happens in a blink of the eye, I guess I'll pose it to both of you, Sam, maybe you start like, you know, mm -hmm. what happened there? I just think we've been together for so long and we the level of success that we thought that we could reach and it became oh basketball was always fun for me because George always challenged me <laughs> so I we made the trade for Gary Payton George called me to us told me to the come to his room and um he was in Portland in Portland Portland or Seattle I don't know if he's going to Seattle and um, he told me that he gonna make a move and you know, how do I like playing? How can I can me and Carrie Payton coexist? 
Sad that he's coming to the room that he's going to trade me. And <laughs> 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 um, um, he's asked me how can me and Gary Payton exist. I say, dude, I can play with anybody. And I think it was like five, six games out of the playoff at this particular time because we was not going to make the playoff with the team we had, you know, because it's just the, the the matrix of the team wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And we got Gary Payton and Desmond Mason from Seattle and we played Seattle that night and they, they blew us out. They, they beat the brakes off of us. So Gary Payton joins the team in Portland and George started me and Gary at the uh, one and two and we just played well and just this emergence of Michael Reed. So Michael Reed was our third guard. Yep. George said, I'm gonna play three guards. Three guard rotation. Sometimes you might add another fourth guard, but we had three guard rotation between me, Michael Reed, and Gary Payton. You know, Gary Payton was the first one to come out. Michael Reed come in, getting the second quarter, Gary Payton came in for me and it, it worked. We won some games, we got on the roll. The team knew that this was gonna be Gary and Sam's show and we just, you know, made it to the playoff, I think. Yeah, it was the, yeah, I think the, the AC. AC is against the Nets. Yep. You know, being like six games out of the playoff with like 14 games to go, we put together a good run. And um, GP, man, I, I gained so much respect by knowing how much of a winner Gary Payton is, man. He just, you know, sometimes when, you know, it got tough for me on the basketball court, he said, hey, man, come on now. This is what you do now. Come on. I'm here right, I'm here right along with you. Let's go. And he just, he forced me to become a better basketball player. You know, he forced me to get more, get more. You know, shoot more. He told me one day, if you're going to be out score down a stretch, you got to shoot more, you know, before the game. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to get to proper work and you got to start, you know, thinking like you're a closer. And he sometimes, he closed games a lot, but he depended on me to be the guy who closed. So I had a, like George said, I had a unique ability of getting fouled. I had a, I had a devastating pump fate to get guys in the air. And I was an 88, 85% free throw shooter. So most likely I was going to make the free throws. Um, Gary just gave us that toughness that that you're not going no you're not going to mess with us you know Gary Payton Anthony Mason out there you know <laughs> it was and we had um, Irvin Johnson and we had big Joe Principilla yeah you know, who's a rookie who who George started who George don't know George don't like too many rookies but George like this one rookie you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we were hey, like uh, ten we, minutes <laughs> <laughs> but he started talking. <laughs> 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 But it was good. It was good. We made the playoff. You know, we lost the six games to the Nets, but it was good. It was good. And George, I mean, I think a lot of Milwaukee fans, unfortunately, blame you for Ray leaving, right? But (laughs) you guys had a good relationship, um, and then maybe something went down. Walk us through what happened there, because everything was good. I mean, we got to be honest with you. I mean, I I don't want to jump on anybody. But, you know, the trade that hurt – I mean, the thing that hurt our team was – we got rid of Scott. We thought we got a better player in Anthony Mason. And it just didn't work. I mean, <laughs> it was, there was just a negative energy. Uh, it was a, it became a confront, confrontational team. Uh, you know, me against them a little bit too much. Uh, and then we don't make the playoffs. And, you know, in the summertime, I, I went to Senator Cole and I, I said to him, I said, I think we got to get rid of Anthony Mason. And he said, it was your choice. You got to live with him. You got to make it work with him. 
And and Anthony Mason's a hell of a basketball player, but he's a negative energy guy. He likes to point fingers. He likes to call people out. And that was not the – we didn't have that type of team. I mean, I call my guy – I called guys out, and having another guy do that was just a little bit – probably too a little much. bit too much. Too much. And, uh, I mean, Sam – Sam, I remember sometimes he'd be mumbling things. He wore a mouthpiece. I never understood what he said. <laughs> uh, but I think if it, the, the one thing I would, I would say that we made a trade thing and we were going to get better and we didn't get better. And, and at that time, Milwaukee, a small market team, didn't want to trade contract. You know, everything was, had to be financially reasonably acceptable. And getting rid of or, or just eating Anthony Mason's contract mm-hmm. just wasn't in the cards. Mm-hmm. Sam, I know we're, we're going to wrap up soon, but sort of as a coach now and in Philly, a team that has a superstar and has a real window, does this experience that window closing so quickly in the blink of an eye? Like, does that stick with you and make you think if, if you have a window, like it's got to be now? There's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, you can get some younger players, get draft picks. But does that does this season sort of teach you that windows in the NBA can open and close in the blink of an eye? Yeah, it's, it, it, it happens that way sometimes. Um, I've been to see 28 years and you have to take advantage of opportunities when they present it to you because you never know what may happen, you know, injuries, um, guys may just have a bad year. But um, I think our team, um, you know, there's a lost opportunity. Um, I think can this team get back to that standard? Yes, definitely can get back, you know. You got a great group of guys. Um, Everybody just got to do their part better. You know, just as simple, I think we coach these guys hard. Um, uh, very, very enjoyable group of guys to be around. Um, <laughs> can ask for better. But um, I think this team learns something about themselves, um, about how and why you got to take advantage of opportunities. And, you know, next year, um, we just got to do things better, um, more harder. Um, what do Winning mind frame. I think that's not a hard task. This team, this team does like each other. This team, you know, don't point the fingers at each other. Um, this team is coached hard. This team, you know, understand like nothing's given to you um, in the playoffs. So you got to take advantage. You got to take advantage of. And I think um, that's our job as coaches to get get our guys to understand that more. And I think, you know, with Doc, you know, being our group, um, we will do it. I think the one thing about that team back in, in Milwaukee uh, that, you know, the whole thing came, you know, it, it, the power of the NBA that fans don't understand is 16 teams make the playoff, 14 don't. Those 14 were working their tail off to get into the playoffs. And... <clears throat> I think sometimes when you get into the playoffs and you have success, you get a little complacent. You get a little happy with yourself. And I think the combination of the Mason trade and a couple other things probably along the way 
instead of coming together, that team separated. And the management had to make a decision on what to do. And sometimes they backed me. I think that, I mean, I never wanted to trade Ray Allen, but I think Ray Allen wanted to be traded. That never comes out, even though he, he might deny that. I know he had meetings with Senator Cole about that. So, I, I mean, I wish it all worked out. I, my, I honestly, Ray Allen's a hell of a player and a good person. And for whatever reason, the decisions of NBA basketball, it just didn't work out. Well, I think like we all said, you know, throughout the episode, it was a special team. It, it was short lived, but um, unique. The big three, uh, peak Ray Allen, you got Sam at the at the height of his powers. I guess just, you know, both of you, any last words just as you watch the Bucks and the Milwaukee fans go crazy right now uh, in the finals. Uh, any just last thoughts or, or last words before we go? Yeah, just two. There's two cities to stop and like coast there earlier. There's just two cities just starving to win the NBA championship. You know, Milwaukee has did it before, but it's been what 1968. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, 70s, early 70s, 70s. early Kareem 70s, Oscar, long yeah. time. Kareem and Oscar, yeah. But um, you know, I played for both organizations. You know, not long in Phoenix. You know, but one of my best stops. So um, you know, I think Marty Dunn is doing a Great job coaching that ball club. That team comes out and play hard every night, win or lose. Um, you know, you, you got to compete against the Phoenix Suns. You know, I think Milwaukee has their work cut out for them, but um, this is going to be a good series. You know, you, know, you got to win four, not not three, not two, not mm -hmm. one. You got to get the four. I think um, I think Milwaukee got a great chance, but um, Chris Paul is hungry, man. He's hungry. He's hungry. And I'm just – it's just sitting back and just watching. It's always good for me. I feel good when I watch the NBA Finals. I know the intensity that goes into it. I've been a part of three of them before. And I just understand, like, wow, this is what it's all about. Everybody's watching you. The game comes on at 9 o'clock Eastern. So so you're the only thing on TV. Yeah. You know, if you're not it's a crazy uh, that it's at baseball nine. fan, it's at 9 o'clock. So, you, you know, you, you plan your parties. You plan everything. You plan your day around being in front of a TV somewhere Ball lounge in the confinement of your house, um, but it's, it's 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 fun, man, to see both cities. Um, the fans just walking up to the arenas and getting excited. You know, saying so I've been a part of the Milwaukee atmosphere. I saw playing in Houston the Phoenix atmosphere when Phoenix the Suns have good basketball teams. Um, it get kind of crazy in that desert, boy. But because the Suns fans are definitely out, but Milwaukee fans are united and they. They starving for this. They want this just like the Suns fans. So it's, it's fun to watch. It's going to be a fun series to watch. And, um, you know, the outcome of it is going to be whoever wins it deserves it. I'll just piggyback off it. You know, two or three weeks ago, I tweeted out that I thought, I thought Phoenix found the magic. Um, I just, the way they're playing, the way Chris Paul's possessed. Booker's growing up. Aiden is playing unbelievably well. Unbelievable. And the bench guys are really playing with confidence. There's so many things they have going that Milwaukee's going to have a tough challenge. But for me, I would probably want Milwaukee to win. I think the city of Milwaukee, 
deserves a championship. And do I think it's going to happen? No. I think Phoenix is a better team. But in the same sense, I love the energy is back in Milwaukee, and I hopefully they can keep it back in Milwaukee. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and thank you both for, for joining Forgotten Seasons today. This was a pleasure. Sam, George, um, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you. Forgotten Seasons with Sam Cassell and George Carl on the 2001 Bucks. That was a really special one. Thank you guys for listening and for your continued support. We have a ton of Forgotten Seasons on the way with some amazing guests. So be sure to subscribe and review if you haven't already. You can find Forgotten Seasons on Instagram and Twitter and visit truthplusmedia.com for more in-depth looks at these amazing stories from NBA history. And stay tuned, there are more Forgotten Seasons on the way.